Welcome to The Real Deal with Jen Costa, your podcast for all things spiritual, where I take you along on my journey through life, and we talk about mediumship, all things woo, and everything in between. Let's get started. I acknowledge that I'm still learning and growing in this area, and as a white woman, I still have a lot to learn. In this episode, I did my best to share my understanding of these atrocities and how they've shifted my perspective, but I'm a work in progress and I'm continuing to learn and grow in these areas, and I don't have all the answers. I also want to acknowledge that when I say the word Indian in this episode, I'm using the terminology that was historically used during my childhood, but indigenous people have many ways of identifying and when possible, it's best to use community-based terminology. Hey friends, welcome back. So today's episode, I'm going to give you a little warning that I'll be talking about things um, such as American Indian boarding schools, there's mention of maybe some sexual abuse, you know, violence, things like that. So please take care while listening. So today's episode is going to be on Thanksgiving or National Day of Mourning, as it is also observed by Indigenous cultures. And for the last year, this has been coming up for me around Thanksgiving. So I guess I've been processing this for an entire year, knowingly and unknowingly. And I didn't know I'd actually do an episode on this, but came through very clear a few weeks ago. And I figured I would share it. So last year, instead of Thanksgiving, I was really in a state of mourning. And I want to tell you why. And you're probably like, what does this have to do with mediumship? But I will get into that. So I grew up in New England. I live in Massachusetts. Plymouth is where the pilgrims landed. And I always grew up, I'm 42 years old, with the story of the pilgrims and the Indians. And the Indians helped the pilgrims when they got here and The pilgrims were escaping, you know, religious persecution and all that. And realizing now as I got older that there was so much more than that. And I felt like I needed to call attention to it in a manner that brings thoughtfulness to it. That also calls out myself and white people because honestly, I look around me and a lot of what happened is overlooked. And I definitely didn't come here to... (laughs) go the status quo and not call things out when I see them. So I think that's why for the last year I have just dug in and kept quiet and read and researched and watched things all about this. And I also have an 11-year-old daughter and in second grade, which was four years ago, she came home one day from school and said, my teacher talked about Columbus And I immediately thought, oh, I wonder what you heard. And she said, yeah, she told me Columbus did some good things, but he also did some really not nice things. And I thought, wow, that's the first time I've ever heard that come from the school system here in Massachusetts. And I grew up in it. And the story I was told was nothing of the sort like that. No, there was no mention of anything bad that happened. So I took that into account and was like, okay, I guess that's progress. I mean, she's what, seven years old at the time, so who knows what actually was said in addition to that, if anything, but I at least appreciated the notion that the teacher was like, I might be bound by like what I can say, or I can say this, and this is what I'm going to tell you. So the story I grew up with, I'm sure is the one pretty much most people grew up with. However, like where I grew up as a kid, we went to Plymouth Plantation for field trips, like I feel like regularly. 
And you went there to see how colonial people lived when they first came over here. And there was some indigenous people stuff. And I don't remember tons of it, but I remember going there and being like, wow, this is underwhelming, right? Because you're a kid and you're like, what do I care? But there was some parts that were intriguing to me. We also went on a field trip to Plymouth Rock, which is where supposedly the Mayflower landed and like the pilgrims came and and it legit was a rock with a date on it and again I kind of blew that off as a kid and then again there's the story that we were told in school of you know the pilgrims and Indians and then the Indians died because all of the Europeans they brought like smallpox and all these diseases that they Indians had no immunity to and basically they all died out so that was the story I was told my entire life and I live in an area close to Lexington and Concord which is where all a bunch of the colonial stuff happened right and colonialism seems to be really celebrated in this area and recognized and looking around that has such a hold I feel like on this area that nothing else is recognized prior to and I started to realize that and was like huh why is this being ignored why is the genocide of indigenous people being ignored why is this one-sided story that we were taught in school why is it only one-sided why aren't we being told the truth and I found myself being like I've been lied to my entire life by, you know, the whole school system, by whoever was teaching all of these things. So my hope was to bring this to attention to people and speak about it because I feel like a lot of white people don't speak about it. Indigenous people do because it affects them, but like they can only do so much, right? They need other people amplifying the message. Plus, why should they have to that this happened to them? So my hope is to bring attention to it. And like, what does this have to do with spirituality and mediumship? And I think a lot of people will stay away from issues that could bring potential conflict or that are uncomfortable for people or will challenge them or, well, it's staying in my lane. I need to stay in my lane. Well, let me tell you, I feel like this is my lane. (laughs) And if being a good person and telling the truth and uncovering, hey, these are lies that we've been told isn't a part of healing and mediumship, like then I don't know what else is. Through mediumship, like you heal yourself and you heal others. I can't think of another better way to do it than to dig into the past and actually be like, wait, no one told me the truth, so I'm going to go find it myself. Because people are still here. Indigenous people are still here. The land that was stolen from them, we live on. And land carries memory. I don't care what anyone says. Some people are more attuned to it and some people aren't. And I tend to feel a lot when I'm on land. I can hear things. I can feel the pain. I can see scenarios that happened. And let me tell you, where I live, there's a lot of bloodshed on this land. And in mediumship, right, we need to look through different lenses, like to heal. We need to look at our own flaws in this is one that I've had that has taken me 42 years to uncover the actual truth of what happened. And through all of this, like a large catalyst to this was the Black Lives Matter movement. And I know a lot of people who are white have a problem with that. And I think that comes from a lack of understanding. So all I'll ask you to do is to challenge yourself and your thinking. And that if I say something on this episode that rubs you the wrong way or you feel indifferent to or you feel opposition to, that you look at it and you question it. And if your immediate reaction is to go, but Jen, but, then that's something I found was a key factor that I need to look at. I want to give it voice. I want to talk about it because I feel like no one talks about it around me. 
And all they do is celebrate colonialism. And I'm like, but what about just before? Because how this land and how everything was taken was not right. And the more I dig into it, the more it's horrific. And I feel like if more people actually listened and heard instead of shut stuff down, they might also be able to see it differently. So when you look at something like this, which is a difficult conversation, a difficult topic, a lot of feelings surrounding it, a lot of opinions surrounding it, the first thing you can do is say, why do I feel like this? And question, what have you been told about this event? Who told you that? And is it true? And is there another side? And that was my process through this whole thing. Now in school, I remember reading about Vietnam also. Right. So we learned about pilgrims and Indians. And I also remember reading in my history book about Vietnam. And my dad went into Vietnam at the very end and he rescued POWs. And through it, he gained a lot of uh, PTSD. He self-medicated with drugs. It caused tons of issues to my family and basically ripped them apart. So when we were reading about it in school, I was like, oh, wow, I really want to learn about this because this affects me. And I thought, great, I want to dive in more. Well, it was like not even a page. And I thought, I don't understand. I was in school in the 90s. The Vietnam like ended in the 70s. So why are we not telling the story about it? Because it directly affected people who were alive then. Like, even if it didn't, why are we not telling the full story? And I remember feeling like, what the hell? I don't understand. So when I say Think about what you've read and what you've been taught. Like I knew there was more to the story than that. And I wasn't being told all of it. I lived at home with the repercussions of that story. And it just didn't make sense to me. And then a few months ago, we went to my partner and I and my daughter. We took her to a play called We Are the Land. And it was in Boston. It was put on by the Wampanoag people themselves. And the Wampanoag people are... When you think of, oh, Plymouth Rock and the Indians and pilgrims and when they came over, like the Wampanoag people were the ones who had that contact with the pilgrims. So I was like, wow, they're telling a story that we need to go here. And so we paid for the tickets and we went to Boston and we saw it. And I thought it was really important for my daughter to hear what happened from the people it happened to and the ancestors and the ancestors of the people who it happened to. And at one point in the story, a woman talked about her own experience being in school, being taught the same story that I was of the pilgrims and Indians. And then at one point she says, a little boy asked, okay, well, what happened to the Indians at the end? And the teacher's answer was, oh, they all died from the Europeans basically getting them sick. They're all dead. And the little girl was like, I don't understand. I'm Wampanoag. Uh, And she raised her hand and she was like, "Um, actually, we didn't because I'm here. And to me, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, imagine being in school as a kid and being told, like, your whole group of people is gone when you know it's not the truth. So as I look around and realize the story that we have been told about America, about Thanksgiving, I realize there's no emphasis on what has happened before. There's no teachings of anything in school prior to like colonialism, or if there is, it's skated over and it's a lack of truth. And some of the things I found, and I will briefly talk about them because I am no expert, 
and I encourage you to do your own research if this intrigues you at all, but there's no teaching of American Indian boarding schools. Now, you might be like, what is that? American Indian boarding schools were created in the United States and also Canada to basically wipe out the American Indian population. So in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, between 819 and 1969, right? That's not that far, you know, back. The U.S. ran or supported 408 boarding schools and where these students endured physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. And they recorded more than 500 deaths of Native children. And let me tell you, the number, that is a low number because trying to find accurate statistics and history on this is difficult, even for the years that they were opened and closed. But I tell you, the atrocities that these people endured were horrendous. Now, why would they create these? Well, basically, the idea of these was to wipe out indigenous people completely. And now you're like, wait, what? Yes, genocide, we're talking. And I will use those big words because they are accurate. And what the United States hoped to do was to have these people assimilate. They would bring them in. They would, first of all, they would take them from their homes for no reason because there were no rules against this. They would take children from the parents. Can you imagine someone just coming to your house and taking your children? There is no reason. And if you don't believe me, go look it up and you'll be horrified at what happened. They brought them in. They cut their hair. They forbid them to speak the language and so much more. Now, in 1978, in the United States, they passed a law called ICWA, for short. It's the Indian Child Welfare Act, and it was a federal law that seeks to keep Indian children with Indian families. This was created because, even in 1978, there was no law against this. They could just come in and take your kids. They passed this in 1978 in response to compelling evidence of the high number of Indian children that were being removed from their families by public and private agencies and placed in non-Indian families. Prior to the passage of ICWA, approximately 75 to 80% of Indian families living on reservations lost at least one child to the foster care system. Now, the reason they did this was to wipe out their culture because family, community is everything to Indigenous culture. So if they could take all that away and they took their land away, and they took everything else away. Their hope was eventually they would just go away completely. Now, this could bring up a lot of feelings on both sides, but I ask you to look into it more if you feel called, and don't ignore the truth. Now, looking in my own area to see what was going on, I found that there's a renewed effort in Massachusetts to recognize the holiday we have on the second Monday of October as Indigenous Peoples Day. It's usually observed here as Columbus Day, And I'm not sure if other places have that, but that's what we have. And it's already recognized in Boston and other cities and towns, but on the state level, it's not. And they're trying to change that. A lot of Italian people, some of them, claim him as Italian and as their own. And they feel that by taking Columbus Day and making it Indigenous People's Day, that it takes away from their culture. Now, I myself grew up in a large Italian family. Both my grandparents are fully Italian. And I never heard of this. We never celebrated Columbus as any kind of, you know, icon or any, there was no mention of him in the house. But my great grandmother came here at 40 from Italy for a better life. And my grandfather actually changed his name from 
Emilio to William. And he did it because it was hard when he first came here. And he would be discriminated against because the Italian community was not liked. They were, I guess, the target of the day, you could say. And he struggled. And his father was even murdered when he was, when my grandfather was 16. And we still don't know who did it. He was robbed, it says in the newspaper article. And that's all we know. And my mom never heard my family speaking Italian. But we got to keep traditions of cooking, of culture, you know, of all these different things that I get to feel now. But Indigenous people don't because of what happened to them. So the more I dug into what actually happened, I was just horrified. I was sickened. There's a podcast I will link in the show notes that talks about ICWA and it was actually challenged last year. And the podcast does a great version of telling what actually happened from both sides. And it is something definitely worth listening to. So I hope you take away from this a couple different things. I challenge you to look into anything that made you feel uncomfortable, oppositional, that made you want to say, but I challenge you just to be quiet and look for yourself to read for yourself, to watch for yourself. Don't give any opinions. Just listen and hear. I challenge you to question what we were taught in school. What were you taught in school about this story? Because I tell you, there's a lot more to it. There's still a lot more to it. Also, don't ask an Indigenous person to enlighten you or inform you on this. Do your own research because it's taxing on them. These people have lived this for generations. We shouldn't have to go to them for answers. There's enough out there with the internet that you can figure out what really happened and decide for yourself what you believe. And if you find yourself being irritated or challenged by anything I said in this podcast, then that means there is something to look at and maybe you need to examine it. And it's a process. This is taking me a process of a year to go through, to work through, to understand. And it's not something that I'm just going to be done with and wrap up and put away because that's not how history works. We are still dealing with the repercussions of what happened. So educate yourself, educate your kids, because I guarantee the story they're being told in school is not the full truth. You can also support indigenous businesses, find them wherever you are, support them, because a lot of times their prints, their designs, their everything has been ripped off and stolen and sold in the world. One particular company that I really love is Eighth Generation, and I'll link that in the show notes. And their tagline is inspired natives, not native inspired, because a lot of stuff you will find out there is native inspired and sold by, say, someone who's not indigenous. So I ask that you speak up. Don't remain silent if you feel called. At the very least, educate yourself on the truth and what really happened, because what we've been told in the United States and I guarantee you it's the vast majority of the country has not been told the truth. And the last thing I'll leave you with is land acknowledgements. These are something that have come up to try and bring awareness, acknowledgement to the land that we are on. This land is stolen land. I don't believe you can own land anyway. I believe that's something that people created for control, for power, for all kinds of reasons, capitalism. But again, we live in the time we live and that's how we have to be on land for now. But a land acknowledgement, I invite you to look at what they are. Some towns have them, some don't. They're a huge, deeper conversation, but it's an important one to have. We are all on stolen land. You may heard it called as a 
unceded land, but we all live on unstolen land. And I think the more you dig into what actually happened in the history of it all, that you will realize too that we are not on land that was freely given. It was taken through blood, through assimilation, through genocide, forcefully and violently. And that's not something that I celebrate on Thanksgiving. I don't celebrate Thanksgiving anymore. I will always acknowledge it as a day of mourning for the true story of what happened. And as far as the land I live on, the town I live in had created an association with the library, a land acknowledgement. And I will read some of that. However, land acknowledgements should be personalized. The town of Chelmsford acknowledges that its land, upon which the government buildings, town common, and libraries are situated, is the traditional and ancestral territory of many diverse indigenous nations, and we strive to honor these peoples. We acknowledge the history of genocide and forced removal from this land, now known as Chelmsford, and we honor the indigenous peoples still connected to this land on which we live, work, and learn. This area comprises, in part, the homelands of the Pawtucket, Penacook, Abenaki, and their close neighbors, the Massachusetts and Nipmuc peoples. The town of Chelmsford extends our respect to citizens of these nations who live here and elsewhere today, and to the ancestors who have lived here for generations. Now, I think that's a decent start, and I think things can always be improved. And as towns, I feel they tend to err on the more conservative side, but I think it could be better. So as this Thanksgiving comes in, if you feel called to mention something of the sort as a recognition of Indigenous people and the truth that actually happened to them, I will link a prayer honoring Native people's land. And this one my partner found. And I thought it was very fitting. And I think if you take and cut from it, it mentions the word God and Psalms. And for me personally, I'm not into that. But I thought the whole notion of it and the the feeling behind it was exactly what I would love to say at a dinner table to acknowledge what was happened and to not just brush over or whitewash or disregard what actually happened on this day years and years and years ago. And I'll read a little bit here of what it said. This land belongs to no one but God. The earth was here before us and will endure after we are gone. Let us walk gently upon this precious earth, taking only what we need, leaving little waste, nurturing the soil, revitalizing the land to sustain future generations. This land we dwell upon today is the ancestral land of, and then you insert the name of your local indigenous people. We acknowledge their historical roots in this place, the many generations who were stewards of this land. We hear the echoes of their prayers to the great mother earth and seek to learn from their wisdom. We acknowledge the history of pain, disease, and bloodshed the native peoples endured when they were colonized. Though we can't reverse the course of history, let us not ignore it. Let us look history in the eye and accept its painful truth. Let us honor the memory of those who died on this land, who lost their sovereignty. Let us honor the native people who, to this day, kept their sacred traditions and culture alive and seek to reclaim, reassert, and revive their sovereignty. Our ancestors came to this country from, and then you name the countries, often enduring hardship that laid the foundation for our freedom. We are grateful for the bounty we enjoy today, the abundant variety of foods this earth provides. We acknowledge those who cook this meal, 
and set this beautiful table. We acknowledge those who planted and harvested this food, many of whom are immigrants. We send them blessings for safety and freedom. We commit to sustaining this earth so it will continue to sustain us, our children and grandchildren. We commit to give more and take less from this fragile earth. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave me a review or rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you found this episode helpful, feel free to share with friends. And if you're interested in getting a reading from me, you can book directly on jencostamedium.com. Have an awesome day, and thanks for taking the time to listen.